When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. No people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fenway Rundown podcast, Mass Live's Red Sox show. Our first post-Christmas episode, and it's a one-man band today. I'm Chris Cotillo. Sean McAdam is off for a few days, just like I was last week. It is that time of year. Today, I'll be joined by, I think it's our first player guest of the offseason, Justin Slayton. Red Sox reliever, taken in the Rule 5 draft, or I guess he was technically traded during the Rule 5 draft a couple weeks ago. Former Rangers minor league reliever who, as of now, has an inside track on a roster spot. I don't think Red Sox fans get really knew him that well, uh, so we're going to do that today in an opportunity to get to know Justin. We appreciate him coming on and a couple more episodes later in the week. It's still slow for the Red Sox. They did not sign Yamamoto, as you know. They have not signed any starting pitchers as we record this Wednesday afternoon, but that doesn't mean that we do not stop providing the best updates for you when it comes to the Red Sox on Mass Live, on Twitter, and now most importantly, in a format that's much better than Twitter itself. You've heard Sean talk about it before. It's our Fenway Rundown Insider Text Program. Sean, Chris Smith, and I sit and wait for your questions to come in. We answer subscribers. We send out blasts of news or rumors, whatever we're hearing uh, throughout the offseason, throughout the season, everything. Uh, and it's $4.99 a month after a two-week free trial period. Everybody who's tried it seems to like it. If you forgot somebody for a Christmas gift, it seems like a good opportunity to make it up to them now. Easy. Text or have them. Text JOIN, J-O-I-N, to 617-751-6257 and simply click the link and subscribe today. Again, we appreciate Justin Slayton, one of the newest members of the Red Sox, joining us on the pod today. We have on the show today Justin Slayton, new reliever and Rule 5 pick of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, One of those titles, Rule 5 pick, Justin, is one that gets latched onto you. It was uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's going to stick at least through the rest of the year. I appreciate you coming on the show, uh, introducing yourself to Red Sox fans. I want to start there. The last day of the winter meetings, your name was uh, pretty heavily talked about as a Rule 5 candidate. You know, had a good year in the Rangers organization last year. On Rule 5 day, you get picked up by the Mets, then traded to the Red Sox. Can you just walk us through what that crazy whirlwind of a day must have been like? Yeah, so like you said, it was one of those deals where I was – 
heard my name was getting talked about and it really was I had thought maybe I would get picked up, but there wasn't really anything set in stone. You didn't hear anything for a while. And then all of a sudden it's like the day of the draft comes around. And then I've got family members sending me stuff saying, Oh, you know, it looks like you could get taken to these certain teams. So that I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, watching this with my dad. And uh, it starts kind of going through the list of teams and names kind of start coming off the board. And then all of a sudden it was just like New York Mets, and they'd take me, and I was just like, oh, wow. Like, I never would have – I really honestly never thought it would have been the Mets, to be honest. It was just, like, one of the teams that I didn't think uh, would have really had much interest or mm-hmm. that I that we had read about having interest. And uh, so it was – that happens, and then all of a sudden I start getting calls from, from teammates and family members and coaches with the Rangers. And uh, I was on the phone with one of my coaches with the Rangers, and uh, – all of a sudden I started getting a phone call from a New York number, probably a couple of minutes after the pick. And then um, I answer it. He's just like, Hey, how's it going? And I talked to him for probably 20 seconds and he was just like, okay. He's like, I know this is kind of a crazy turn of events, but we are actually trading you to Boston. And I was just like, Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, so wish you the best of luck with everything. And, and that was it. And so then the next thing I know, I have to go back inside and, and I'm telling my dad that, uh, I was like, well, he's on the phone with, with more family members telling him that's like, oh, it's, he's going to New York. And then it was like, all of a sudden, it was like, no, actually, I'm, I'm going to Boston. So it was just a crazy five minutes, 10 minutes from the, the start of the draft to getting picked to the Mets and then going eventually to, to Boston. I mean, not many guys get to say they were a member of three different organizations in uh, five minutes, right? But when yeah. the dust settled, what was kind of the opportunity to join the Red Sox in that organization? What was the message that they gave you once you talked to people there? Uh, I would say that the biggest thing is, uh, you know, um, I, the first phone call I got was from Craig Breslow. And I talked to him, and, and he just made it very clear that that uh, that they wanted me and I was somebody that they had targeted. And, and so that obviously is like any baseball player wants to hear uh, – like that you're wanted by an organization and they value you. And so I was excited to hear from him. And then throughout the rest of the day, I, I heard from, you know, pitching coaches, strength and conditioning coaches, athletic training staff. And so all of these people all started, you know, start calling me and kind of welcoming me to the organization. And all of a sudden it was just like every, like all of these phone calls are coming in, but they all kind of had the same message of, you know, that they couldn't be more excited that, that I was there and that I had the opportunity to join the team. And, and so it just made me even more excited to, to be in Boston. As you approach that day, and I've, I've had this conversation with Garrett Whitlock, we'll talk about him, obviously a guy who was in your shoes a couple of years ago and probably one of the best rule five success stories the last few years. But yeah, is it kind of a mixed emotion type of thing where, you know, you love the organization you've been in, there's familiarity there, but if you get picked, you kind of get that fast pass to the majors, at least for spring training. Like how did you kind of approach it in the days heading into the rule five? I just, uh, it was hard because I knew, I knew whenever I didn't get protected on the 40 man with the Rangers, I knew I was like, okay, now it opens up this, this door of possibilities for something completely new to happen. And, uh, ultimately like any any player wants to tell you or you know they'll tell you like you want to make it with the team that that you got drafted to that you you build bonds with the guys that you got drafted with and that you play through or play with you know for years throughout the minors and then the new guys that come in and, and it's like you just you build all sorts of relationships whether it's like 
you're the little brother and you have a big brother there kind of guiding you through it. And then as you know, you get some years, you make these guys that are, you know, little brother type of people to you. And then the staff that you get super close with the training staff, the strength and conditioning staff, everybody in the building, you know, you make these great relationships with them. And then all of a sudden it's, you're put in a position where you're, kind of having to root to leave that team because ultimately it's you know what you think will be best for your career and it's very exciting and very nerve-wracking all at the same time because the reality of the rule five draft being like you were a guy who probably didn't have a whole lot of major league time if any and uh now it's like your first you know taste of that is not only with a new team but it's in a new city with a new staff with new teammates and all of this stuff so it's very very exciting and very humbling that that uh the Red Sox were you know wanting to take a chance on me and believed in me that much but at the same time it was like the first couple of days afterwards you kind of start to get the 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 thoughts of you're like oh crap like I don't know anybody I'm going to be going into spring training with all these people that I haven't even met yet I'm going to have to like start to make you know new friendships and all that stuff over again but at the same time, like I said, it is like very exciting and it's a, it's an awesome opportunity that, you know, nobody would, would turn down if they were in the, in, in my shoes. And so I couldn't be more excited for it. The way the rule five thing works is so unique and different. You know, you're in a different category. You're under different rules than pretty much everybody else on the team where, you know, they can't send you down to the minors. They have to offer you back. And, um, the whole complicated structure and there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, does that mm-hmm. change how you approach trying to win a job? Do you feel like you have that job because you're the rule five guy? Like has anybody ever given you advice on how to go into this kind of unique set of circumstances? Um, well, no, I honestly, I haven't gotten any advice and I don't think it, it changes much because I I'm still very well aware of the fact that it's like, it's not set in stone until my name gets put on the piece of paper that says like opening day roster. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. very, real chance that a lot of different things can happen. Um, and no, I, I wouldn't say at all that I think that I have this spot locked down. At least that's how I'm going to, you know, view it. Because I'm, like I said, no major league time, you know, coming into a fresh organization where, you know, it's just a lot of moving parts and, and you just got to hope for the best. But I'm confident that that they, they picked me for a reason because they – they viewed me as a as a part of this team for not only this year but years to come and and I'm going to do you know everything I can in my power to to make you know to make them know that, that they didn't waste that pick and that it was a it was a good pick for for them and, and a good pick for me and I'm going to do everything I can to, to prove that to the team and, and the city of Boston. Now everybody knows that the Red Sox could use some starters and you know maybe a second baseman the bullpen's actually a place we're heading into the winter look pretty stacked you know you have guys like Kenley Jansen Chris Martin Winkowski Schreiber um and a lot of guys who have a lot of track record there what's it going to yeah. be like for you to walk in and have you know major league camp a guy like Kenley Jansen there a guy like Chris Martin guys who've been the elite of the elite you know the last few years and to be as you said without any major league time part of that mix uh, and it's it's something that hasn't really hit me yet as far as when I think about it, like, it's cool. Like, you know, my parents and grandparents are all like, Oh, you know, you're going to get to play with this guy. You're going to get to meet this guy. And truthfully, it won't be something that really hits me until that moment where I like walk into the, into the facility and I see those guys there. And then it's kind of like, 
okay, wow, like we're here now. Like it's no more talking about it. Like it's time to to be a part of this team and and you know give everything you got and try and win a job. But I think that it's something that is extremely exciting. And as a as a young guy, like you know, it's going to be very beneficial to me to have guys like that that have been in the league for a long time that have seen a ton of success, but also have seen some, you know, some lows just like I have in my career. And just to be able to to pick their brains and to, to kind of hear the advice that they have and, and talking to other guys, I'm excited to get to talk to Garrett Whitlock, knowing that he was, like you said, in the same shoes as me and just kind of pick his brain about what's the best way to go about it. What, what were some things, like if you could go back and what are some things that you might could do better? What are some things that you probably – could have done less of or, or certain things that you thought about that maybe you didn't think were going to be as important that were and things that you thought would be super important that weren't. So it's just a lot of information um, that you're trying to digest in this short amount of time. And I think that the Red Sox have done a really good job of that so far with whenever, whenever it first happened, they didn't try and overload me with a ton of stuff. It was just, we're going to give you, you know, the next week to just kind of get your feet under you like kind of realize what's going on and and then kind of start wrapping your mind around it. And so it's just been a very easy transition so far over. I mean, it just feels like everything that they've done for me so far is like I couldn't have asked for for it to have gone any better. And so I'm really excited to to finally get in the building with, with these guys and, and get to work with them. What have they told you about role, opportunity, that type of stuff? And, and we both now have alluded to it, but having a guy that did this exact same path two years ago and turned into – you know, a guy who had not pitched above double A into one of the game's elite relievers. Does that kind of inspire you to carve out that same path? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's hard to not, you know, whenever you're going down a path to not kind of look and see or like hear from the outside, you know, like what people are saying and what certain people think. But it's uh it's one of those things where I haven't heard about what kind of role or anything like that. And I'm sure that that'll be something that, you know, when the time comes for for those to be established, they'll just be established. And, you know, it does me no good to sit here and worry about kind of what the plan is mm-hmm. months from now when my only focus is just getting on, you know, getting on the roster, coming into spring training ready, and uh, just kind of doing everything I can to to kind of start start a, my transition into the Red Sox organization. But uh, it definitely is – it's inspiring to know that you have – a you have another guy that they took a chance on in the organization and to see kind of how that's played out for him and, and everything I've heard about so far is that, uh, you know, they're going to do their best to make this transition, you know, easy for me. And they're not going to try and overload me with stuff like going into spring training, going into the season. And so I just know like coming into an organization, I've heard so many great things about just how it's ran and the people that are inside and, kind of how they care about their players and and what they do to make sure that it's as easy as possible for them to to transition into major league life I, I feel very confident that you know it'll be something that once I get into spring training it'll seem pretty seamless and Joe Jakes too uh, minor league rule five guy a year ago so there's a chance that uh, this year there could be three different rule five guys in the Red Sox bullpen let's get back to your your time at the Rangers a little bit um, you reached AAA this year, had success there. Um, but it, what was it like just being kind of that close to the majors? And do you feel like you know, 2023 was a pretty big step forward for you? Yeah, 2023 was definitely a big step forward for me. It was the year that, that it kind of felt like all of the development that had taken place in the past couple of years where I had to go out there and I had to, to suffer at times. And 
and really just try and find my way there for a couple of years. And then it was finally about the end of 2022, the last couple of weeks, I kind of started to, to figure out everything that they were, you know, teaching me and the things that they had been trying to change mechanically, pitch wise, and all this stuff for the past couple of years, it kind of felt like it all came together. And so I was able to go, even though like, if you look at the numbers from 2022, you probably look at them and be like, oh my gosh, there were a lot of, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that people don't know about. And then you get finally, you figure it out after, you know, months and months of just trying to, to grasp the, these concepts that they're, they're preaching to you. And so I was able to go into the off season after the 2022 season on a, on actually a pretty high note and was feeling really confident. And I had a plan as to, I knew what I needed to accomplish in the off season that was going to, to make me successful this past year. And I, I just went in, went in with that mindset and, and worked every day in the off season to kind of get down everything that they had you know, preached to me and what I felt like I needed to do. And whenever that happened, I hit, hit the ground running and spring training and uh, everything felt really good. And I was just able to build off of that momentum from 22 and, and carry it through the entire season really in 23. And so it was a, it was a lot of change of, of mentality too, knowing where it's like, okay, like you had your time, you were a third round draft pick, you've been on a prospect list, you had, you know, all these expectations set out for you and then you kind of don't deliver on them for a while. And then you finally are able to just kind of put these these expectations that you have of yourself, you're able to just kind of put those to the side and just go out there and play baseball and make it fun again. And that's really what it was is I went out there and I was just like, whatever happens this year, it happens. I had goals that I had set out for myself that I wanted to accomplish. And uh, instead of trying to chase, you know, performance or promotion or recognition, it was just about I'm going to chase these goals that I have set out for myself. And that's it. And whatever happens, happens at that point. Like it's it's not in my hands. I'm not the GM. I'm not making moves. I'm not, you know, knowing who's going to go where and stuff like that. It's this. the That was the biggest realization for me is that all I have to go out there and do is, is play baseball like I've been doing since I was four years old and, and everything will work out the way that it's supposed to. And I don't know the answer to this question, but, you know, looking at kind of your bio, your background, you grew up and went to high school only a few hours from Arlington, the Dallas area. Yep. Were you a big Rangers fan growing up? Or was that your childhood team you were playing? You were on the verge of making? Yeah, so I grew up as a Rangers slash Astros fan, which like at the time before like fandom really starts to set in and you know that that's actually not allowed. Um, <laughs> yeah. That would have gone well in the ALCS this year, right? No, no, not yeah. at all. But uh, I grew up because I was closer to Dallas my, and we, I played in Dallas a lot growing up playing travel ball. didn't play in Houston as much. Um, I went to a bunch of Rangers games and uh, that was the team that I always kind of, cheered for but then my like dad's side of the family all being from you know around east texas to southeast texas they're big astros fans they always have been but uh growing up i definitely kind of rooted for both teams and then kind of as i got you know older uh i found myself like probably rooting for the astros a little bit more because it was where my family was and so obviously i wanted to be like a part like whoa they're all cheering for this team i want to cheer for this team too and I still like did have a a partialness to the Rangers just because of the memories I had made growing up, going to those games, playing around there and, you know, watching them in the 2010, 2011 world series, like that, those were good memories with, with all of my friends. And so it was, it was very kind of bittersweet whenever I did have to leave Texas because I'm like, this is a team that 
I grew up two hours away from. I get drafted to them. And uh, it was good for my family because, you know, it was going to be close to home for them. And so obviously I'm like, you know, wanted to do everything I could to, to get that promotion and, and make that team. But, you know, that just wasn't a part of the plan of, of my career. And, and I just, it's something that, that, you know, I, I understand the business aspect of it. I have a, a really good relationship with all the people in, in Texas still, and there was no, no hard feelings at all. Whenever, you know, there wasn't a selection to the 40 man roster, it was just like, you know, I understand it's a business and you got to make the decisions that, that are right for you. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, things work out where I can come back and, and make the team with you guys next year. But if I end up going somewhere else, like there, there won't be any hard feelings to anybody there. I still talk to some of the guys there. A lot of my teammates, some of the coaching staff there, I still talk to regularly. And, and so uh, it, it was all, it was all good. It was a, like I said, very bittersweet, but, but a happy moment. Yeah. I mean, I, from doing some reading and, and watching some YouTube videos, I'm sure Red Sox fans don't know about this, but just your journey to get to the point where you were a third round pick seemed like you were a little bit of a late bloomer, you know, not maybe a guy that was on the radar of a lot of teams in high school. There were some injuries. If you could, you know, kind of in your own words, take us through that and how you got to the point where you were, you know, a, a pick and eventually a, a pro prospect. Yeah. So I, like I was actually, you hit the nail on the head there. Late bloomer is exactly, you know, what it was. I, uh, I got hurt. I had an arm injury and missed my junior year of high school. And uh, my sophomore year, I pitched on the junior varsity team. And then my junior year, I go in first game of the year. I was still going to be playing on the JV. And uh, I got hurt in the first game of the year. And uh, that really sucked. And I had to miss the entire year, but the injury ended up not being nearly as serious as we thought initially. And so it really was actually just going to hold me out for the, uh, the high school season. I was going to be able to play uh, summer ball. And so whenever I came back, started doing rehab, um, rehabbing my arm, getting stronger, and then I hit a growth spurt. And so that kind of helped with the development as well, but I started getting stronger and then I go in place in the summer. And for the first time I'm throwing and I'm starting to hit 88, 89. And then all of a sudden middle of the summer, the first time that I hit 90 and then I'm hitting 91, 92. And so like the velocity started to take an up, uh, like an uptick. And so at this point in my life, I had, had not been recruited by any schools, not even the uh, junior colleges until we were playing a tournament in TCU and I pitched in a game, did well. And then a, a junior college from around East Texas uh, called and, and asked me to come on a, on a visit. And so I went, they offered me a scholarship and uh, kind of after that is where it all just, it started happening really fast. I started getting a ton of offers from, from junior colleges and, and places that were around, you know, Texas that were wanting me to come on visits and, and wanting me to, to go to play school there. But I still was just coming off of my junior year summer going into my senior year. And, and by this point, there were some good Division One schools that started uh, looking into me and, and asking me to come out. I went and pitched at a, a couple camps, uh, took a couple visits, but never really got any anything solid from them until I kind of get this offer from New Mexico, which was in the summer after my senior year of uh, high school. And I'm playing and my travel ball coach was like, would you ever consider going to the university of New Mexico? And I was like, I don't even know where that is. <laughs> and, uh, and I had to look it up. I was like, okay, here's where Albuquerque is. And so they fly me out on a visit. I had a really where, good time. Where, where Breaking visit. Bad was filmed, right? That's what it's known for. Yeah, 
Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, and I've been on that tour a couple of times out there, so that's mm-hmm. that's a fun thing. But uh, yeah, so I go out on the visit there, really enjoy my time there, and they uh, going back to the the thing of being wanted. Uh, they they wanted me, and I remember the the head coach at New Mexico at the time. His name was Ray Birmingham, and he was calling me all the time asking me, he's like, have you made your mind up yet? Have you made your mind up yet? And then I eventually one day I had a talk with my dad and I'm like, okay, these are my options. This is what I can do. And I ended up deciding to go there. Well, they had, you know, told me that I was going to play a lot as a freshman. I come in, I play a lot as a freshman. And then I go into my sophomore year and have a bit of a down year and uh, really no explanation for that. It was just, you know, not just not that great of a year. I was getting hit, uh, just seemed like, you know, the brakes weren't going my way. And unfortunately that's just how it goes sometime. And then, uh, they were going to shut me down for the, uh, for the summer, but I was like, you know what, like I need to go and play summer collegiate summer ball somewhere. And so I go and I start playing in, uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. And, uh, that's really where it turned around. I get up there and I had this pitching coach up there and I was like, you know, they were, they were trying to get me to do this at New Mexico. They were trying to get me to change this. And he was like, well, before I even start telling you anything, I just need to see you throw one time. And I saw, I get in the bullpen before the, the first game of the year I was starting. And, uh, he was like, I just want you to just rip it. He was like, is whatever you can do. He's like, if you, he's like, if you got to go up there and try and throw every single pitch a hundred miles an hour, just do it. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And so I got up there and I just started throwing the ball and I had a really good game. And uh, he was like, why would you even try and change anything from that? He was like, that was great. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And so then all of a sudden (laughs) I just took that advice and ran with it. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to go up here and just try and throw the ball. Like how I know throw the ball. I'm not going to get up here worrying about mechanics and what I'm supposed to feel at this time. And about that, you know, time I start pitching really well throughout that summer. I start getting calls from, uh, or not, yeah, calls from my college coaches, and they're like, you know, we're they're they're these guys, you know, they're they're asking about you, they're wanting to send you these questionnaires. So then I start filling out all these questionnaires, and uh, teams start coming down to Albuquerque in the fall of my junior year, and I'm taking meetings with all of these teams, and uh, it was one of those deals where going into it uh like you always want to know kind of where you stand and I had a good feeling after that summer I was going to get drafted I was very confident actually I was going to get drafted I just didn't know it was going to be as early as it was I kind of envisioned it being you know easily like day three like in the teens kind of round and then I go out there the first game of the year and I pitch against Oregon State the defending national champions and had a really good game and uh I go out build off of that one going to the next week. And I just kept kind of stacking these good games together. And then I start noticing like, okay, I'm starting to throw a little bit harder. Things are kind of picking up. There's more scouts coming to the games and my pitching coach at the time, you know, he was kind of the guy like where he, he was talking to teams for me. Cause I was like, I don't want to talk to these guys right now. I just want to play baseball. And he was like, no, he's like, I'll take the phone calls and I'll let them know. Like, and I'll just kind of keep you posted on what I hear. And he was just kind of like, well, you know, you were kind of in that like 10 to 15 round range. And now you're like pretty much a lot to be like around like 10 or 11. And then it was like rounds like nine to 10 and five to seven. Then all of a sudden by the end of the year, he's like, man, like you could get picked as early as like the, the middle to late end of the second round. And I was just like, I don't really see that happening, but okay. And then I started getting phone calls from teams and they're asking, you know, Hey, you know, we like you here at this spot. You know, we like you here at the end of the second round. We like you here. You're like with one of the first picks of the third round. And so 
the way everything worked out was, you know, similar to the rule five where it wasn't until like the, the days leading up to the actual draft where I'm talking with my agents and, and, you know, trying to, you know, hear what's being said where it was like, okay, this is where we're looking at. We pretty much kind of figured out it was going to, if it, we didn't go on day one at the end of the, the second round, we knew it was going to be fairly quick on uh, day three. And then, uh, when that happened, as soon as round two ended, I started getting more phone calls from more teams. And then the next thing you know, like I go to bed, wake up the next day, it's more phone calls from more teams. And then the third round starts and uh, I'm sitting there watching it with my family. And then all of a sudden my agent calls me and it was kind of crazy how it went out because he calls me and he was like, we got two teams, the Cardinals or the Rockies. Do you have a preference? And I was like, uh, and before I could even give him an answer, he was like, hold on, I'm getting another phone call. And he hangs up answers the or calls me back at this point the Cincinnati Reds were picking and he calls me back and he was like hey man you're gonna be a Texas Ranger and I'm like sitting there on the phone with my family all around me and I just start smiling like real big I look up at the screen the Cincinnati Reds are taking their pick and I believe it was the Rangers had the next pick after that or two picks after that and they were like where is it like where are you going and I just kind of like sat there and then all of a sudden it was like Texas Rangers and it was I mean from that moment on, it was kind of a blur. Everybody started screaming and yelling, yeah. and I'm just kind of like sitting there trying to process it all in and just like going through. It's like not only was I a much higher draft pick than I thought it, I was going to be, but now it was uh, to my, which you, I guess you would say hometown team, which would be the, I mean, the closest team to my hometown and the team that I grew up going to games for. And it really was just like a surreal moment the way it all worked out. Last thing for you, I'm sure Red Sox fans have not uh, had much of an opportunity to watch you pitch. They will soon. But just how would you, in your own words, describe what kind of pitcher you are and if there is a comp to somebody that you know, you've know you often been told throughout your career, who, who would that be? Oh, man. I don't know if I've ever gotten a legitimate comp, to be honest with you, other than like when I was coming out of the draft, they were like, this is kind of your repertoire. But I will say that uh, – the thing, the thing that the Red Sox fans should know that they're getting is they're getting a, a guy who is uber competitive, and uh, I'm going to go out there every single game with the with the chip on my shoulder, and uh, and really just try and do everything I can in that moment to to win games for the team. I'm I like to think that I hold my composure very well in in moments, and and uh, I think that that's something that'll that'll show off. But knowing that I'm going to go out there every single game for better or for worse on days, I could be 50%. I could be 120%, but uh, you're going to get everything I got, you know, in that game. And there'll never be a game where I go out there and don't leave everything that I have on that field. Whenever, whenever the ball gets taken from me, I'll be able to go to bed at night knowing that I gave it everything I had. That'll start in Fort Myers in uh, about six weeks where we will, uh, we'll see you there. Justin Slayton, we appreciate it very much. And congrats again on joining the Red Sox organization. That's Justin Slayton. More on him coming in spring training as he vies for a bullpen spot. Right now, again, the focus on who the Red Sox will add, if anybody. Will there be a starting pitcher added, or will it be Chris Sale, Brian Bayo, myself, Chris Smith, and Sean McAdam in the starting rotation? To ask us if that'll be the case, to figure out who they're going to sign, who they're going to trade for, who they're going to add, we have our Red Sox Fenway Rundown Insider Text Program. It's simple. You subscribe, four ninety nine a month after a two-week free trial period. We get back to your questions. We send out exclusive news, rumors, whatever we're hearing. And it's pretty easy to join. 
617-751-6257. Text the word join, J-O-I-N. Simply click the link and subscribe today. We'll be back with another Fenway Rundown pod tomorrow. Hate to tease a guest by name, but let's just say, if you listen to Red Sox podcast, if you've ever been to the gym, or you've ever wondered why the local CVS is out of hair gel, this guy's the reason why. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.